Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from Redwood Pioneer by Betty Sterling. Chapter 15, Mikey in Charge. Mr. Downs left soon after breakfast the next morning. Mikey went a little way down the creek with him. Well, Mikey, said Mr. Downs, I'm glad I got to visit you. I hope you'll keep on watching the creatures in the forest. Then someday you will be a naturalist, too. Mikey stood on a rock in the middle of the creek and watched Mr. Downs go on downstream. He wished Mr. Downs would stay longer. There were so many things he wanted to ask him. Why, he was almost as good a friend to have as Jake was. Mr. Downs turned toward him once more and waved. Goodbye, Mikey. When I go through Santa Cruz, I'll send you a package to help you learn to be a naturalist. He started on again and was soon out of sight past a bend in the creek. Mikey waded slowly upstream to the cabin again. Pa said that no one was to go far from the cabin until the bear had been located. We may have eight children, Pa had said, but we can't spare any of them. He had checked the gun, too, before he left for the day. The next few days were busy ones. Martha went with Mikey to harvest the rest of the vegetables, the cabbage for kraut, then turnips, carrots, and beets. Mikey took the gun with them, and they kept a watch for the grizzly. Mikey often wondered what would be in the package Mr. Downs had promised to send. He knew he wouldn't find out before Pa made his next trip to Boulder, for that was as far as the package would be brought. But that wouldn't be long, for soon the fall rains would begin, and Pa wanted to have the bark in Santa Cruz by then. One morning, early in October, after Mikey finished his milking, the warmth of the house seemed especially welcome after the cold mist outside. Mary was dancing a jig in the middle of the kitchen floor. "'Happy birthday, Mikey,' she sang, clapping her hands. "'Come and see what you've got.' Mikey set the milk pails down quickly on the bench, and as fast as a boy who had nearly turned ten could walk with dignity, he followed Mary to the front room. In the middle of the floor, Mikey saw a small set of shelves and a chest, pink and shiny, in the firelight. "'Aren't they beautiful?' Mary asked. "'They're for all your shells and drawings and things. Pa and Pat and Tom made them for you.' Mikey dropped to his knees to examine the little redwood chest." He ran his hand over the polished wood and felt the carved letters of his name in the lid. Best of all, he liked the bright brass hinges and lock. Pat and Tom were standing with their hands in their pockets, watching him proudly. Pa and the two little boys were sitting on the trundle bed, and Ma and Martha stood in the doorway. "'Here's the key, Mikey,' Pat said. "'Oh, thank you,' said Mikey. He didn't say so, but he knew now that his precious things would be safe from Sean.' Too often, Sean would sneak up the ladder to the loft and muss up his things or try to draw in his copy book. Tom patted the set of shelves. I almost wish I could be ten again. Everyone laughed. Mikey knew that Tom wouldn't go back to being ten years old for anything. But he did hope, since he was ten, Pa would count him one of the big boys like Tom and Pat and let him go along on the trips into the forest and to Boulder. Since it was a special day, Ma had fixed corn fritters for breakfast, and Martha set down a big slab of the wild honeycomb Pa had found. 
Mikey ate so much he could hardly fasten his belt around him. Sure, and you'd better save some room for your dinner, Mikey, Ma said, as he finished his fourteenth fritter. You've eaten as much as Pat. Mikey grinned. Maybe I'll grow as big as Pat. Don't be in a hurry, Pat said. You've got several years to go yet. A few mornings later, Pa said he would start that day for Santa Cruz. Ma and Martha hurried around, fixing some food for him and the older boys to take with them to eat on the way. Ma had already made a list of things Pa was to buy in Santa Cruz, because he wouldn't be making the trip again for a long while, maybe a year. During the winter and early spring, the roads would be too muddy for the wagon. Pa had the log sled he used for carrying the bark standing in front of the house. Mikey helped Pat load the dried, twisted bark crosswise on the sled. It made a full load. Pat roped it on tightly. Don't want to lose any of this twisted brown gold, Pat puffed as he tightened the ropes. Will the wagon be full? Mikey asked. He didn't know how much bark Pa had drying in Boulder. Sure, said Pat. We'll have it loaded so high it will take all three donkeys to pull it. Pa came out to see if they had the sled ready. Pa, what did they use the bark for in the tannery? Mikey asked. He couldn't see any connection between bark and leather, except one was outside the tree and the other outside the cow. In the tannery, they have huge kettles bigger than barrels. They put the bark and water in these like a big stew and cook it. The hot water takes a stuff called tannin out of the bark. Then they use this tannin broth to tan the leather. Hmm, I see, said Mikey. And that's why we call the tree a tan bark oak, because it has tannin in the bark. That's right, said Pa. Tom brought the donkeys and hitched two of them to the sled. The other one was carrying a load of corn to be ground to meal. The whole family, even Rosie and Ma's arms, gathered on the front porch to see Pa and the boys leave. They had been gone overnight before to Boulder, but this time they would be away for at least a week. Besides, though no one mentioned it, Mikey knew that everyone was thinking about that grizzly bear. Mikey, said Pa, as he took up the reins of the team, I'm leaving you in charge. Be sure to keep the gun loaded. You know where the bullets are. And keep an eye on the little shavers. I don't want them wandering off into the forest. Mikey stretched himself up an extra inch. Yes, sir, Pa. I'll keep my eye on things. He was happy that Pa trusted him to be the man of the house, even though he was disappointed not to be able to go to Santa Cruz. Pa smiled and then waved at the three little ones and the baby. Let's go, Pat, he called. Pat started down the path with the first donkey. He had his gun over his shoulder, and to Mikey, he looked like a grown man. Pa said, get up and the team of donkeys slowly pulled the log sled with the load of bark. Tom walked on the other side from Pa. He carried an axe in case they had to clear any underbrush out of the sled's way. Soon, they were out of sight in the redwoods. Chapter 16. Grizzly Mikey felt a bit lonesome when he woke up in the loft and couldn't hear Pat snoring or Tom moving in his sleep. Then he remembered that Pa had left him as the man of the house. He jumped out of bed quickly and dressed by the gray light from the loft window. The mist drifting in through the window made him shiver. He hurried down the ladder to the warm front room and then out through the kitchen where Ma and Martha were already busy. When he had finished the milking, Martha had the table set for breakfast. Since you're taking Pa's place, she teased, you may as well sit here at the head of the table. Mikey laughed and sat down quickly on Pa's dirty bench. I'll have a bowl of mush and six eggs, 
he said in a deep voice. So, said Martha, who do you think you are? The hens only laid five eggs yesterday. They're molting, you know. You can only have one egg, Mr. Mikey O'Grady. After breakfast, Mikey took the axe and the gun and set off for firewood. He would have to cut plenty of firewood to be ready for the rainy weather. The first trees Pod chopped down were dry enough to cut fairly well now. Since he wouldn't be going far, he let Sean and Liam tag along. Mikey could feel his muscles bulge when he chopped the tough wood. At this rate, he would soon be as strong as Tom. Anyway, he hoped so. Sean and Liam played in the leaves and collected acorns and acorn cups to play with. Before long, they had all their pockets bulging with the acorns and tiny redwood cones. Mikey always marveled that the immense redwood trees should have such small cones. At noon, they heard Martha calling, so Mikey stuck the axe in a log, and they trooped back to the house for dinner. All afternoon, Mikey chopped wood, and by supper time, he had quite a pile cut. After Pa came back from Santa Cruz, they would haul the wood to the house on the sled. Again the next day, Mikey chopped wood. Sean and Liam had tagged along, so he was careful to see that they stayed close by him. He wasn't going to let them wander away and get chased by a bear. He kept the loaded gun near him on a stump. He was glad when he heard the call to supper and they could return to the cabin. After supper, Ma needed a bucket of water. By the time Mikey had finished the milking, the sky was murky dark with mist. He fed the calf and put Maury and Bossy in their stalls. The mist became lighter, and Mikey knew the moon had come up. He could make out the shapes of the trees in the woodshed. He saw a deer cut across the yard and then streak away into the night. He made sure the chickens were all in, and then fastened the door of the cowshed securely for the night. Picking up the two pails of milk, Mikey started toward the house. Suddenly, his heart stood still. He saw the black hulk of an animal shuffling toward him out of the forest. He couldn't make out its shape, but it looked as big as two cows. He knew it must be the grizzly bear. Had it seen him yet? Would it try to race him to the house? He didn't have the gun. What could he do? Without waiting to think, he dashed for the kitchen door. Milk splashed out of the pails as he kicked the door open. Ma looked at him in astonishment as he stumbled in. What? she began. The grizzly, Mikey said. He bolted the door and stood inside trembling from his fright. Ma went calmly through the rooms to see that all the shutters were bolted tightly, and Martha checked the bolts on the other two doors. Mary began to cry, and Sean and Liam were wide-eyed with fear. Hush, said Mikey. The bear can't get inside the house. He was glad he had shut up the cows before the bear came. If he hadn't, there might not be any cows by morning. Ma put the three little ones to bed, but they were too frightened to sleep. Finally, Ma sat beside the trundle bed and sang all the old Irish lullabies she knew until Sean and Liam's tired eyes drooped shut. Mary had already cried herself to sleep. Mikey walked slowly through the rooms, listening to the bear sniff around the house. He wondered if the shutters would hold if the bear really tried to get inside. The grizzly spent most of his time sniffing around the outside of the kitchen and the pantry. He seemed to smell the food. Martha and Ma went about their kitchen work as if the sniffing came from a deer. But Mikey knew they were frightened. He wished he could do something. How long would the bear stay? Would he keep them shut up in the house for the next five or six days till Pa came back from Santa Cruz? Mikey knew he would have to get to the cows before then, for they would have to be fed and milked and watered. Finally, he went up to the ladder to the loft. He peered out the window through the mist. 
bright now with moonlight. Below him was the bear. He shuddered to see how immense it was. He had never dreamed that even grizzly bears were so big. But seeing the bear below gave him an idea. He went downstairs and got the gun and extra bullets. Up in the loft again, he checked the gun to be sure it was ready to shoot, and then put the extra bullets in his pocket. He looked out of the window, but the bear had gone around the corner of the house. Mikey thought of a daring plan. If it worked, fine. If it didn't, well, he just wouldn't think of that. He couldn't fail. Pa had left him in charge. He wasn't going to let that bear hurt Ma or Martha or the little ones. He stood up in the loft window facing the house and looked across the roof. He had climbed onto the roof once before this way. He was sure he could do it again. Carefully, he placed the gun on the roof so it wouldn't slide away. Then he pulled himself cautiously over the edge of the eaves and drew his legs up. Safe on top, he stopped a minute to catch his breath. He was outside with the bear now, and he hoped the bear wasn't tall enough to climb onto the roof of the lean-to. Quietly, he crept down the slope of the roof to the edge. He'd have to be close when he shot the bear. He could hear it sniffing along the kitchen wall, slapping at the boards with its paw and shaking the shutters. Mikey sprawled out on his stomach and readied the gun toward the place where he could hear the bear. He was almost on the edge of the roof, but he didn't dare lean over. When he was ready, he took a deep breath. Could he do it now? He took another deep breath. Why didn't the bear hear his heart pounding and look up? He whistled sharply. The bear rose to his hind feet to see where the noise came from. Mikey shot. With a roar, the bear crashed against the house. Mikey trembled as he reloaded the gun in the dim light. The bear had been so tall standing on its hind legs that it could have stretched out and cuffed him. He got to his knees and looked cautiously over the edge of the roof. The bear was trying to rise. Mikey aimed again and fired. The bear quivered and lay still. But Mikey wasn't taking any chances. He fired twice more. He could hear Ma and Martha running across the loft to the window. Mikey, Mikey, Ma called. Are you all right? Mikey watched the bear for a few minutes to be sure it was dead. Then he walked up the roof to the ridge. I'm all right, Ma, he said softly. Here, take the gun. He held it over the edge of the eaves, and Ma took it. Then he lowered himself feet first, and Ma and Martha helped him through the window. He staggered to his bed and flopped down on it, exhausted. Ma, he said, I was never so scared in my life. The bear was as big as, big as a redwood tree. He buried his face in his hands and sobbed. Ma patted him on the shoulder. There, there, Mikey. Every brave person is afraid. A person is brave because he does what he should, even when he is scared. Mikey looked up at her. Do you really mean that, Ma? That's right, Mikey. If a man isn't afraid, he really isn't being brave at all. Mikey smiled now. Come down to the kitchen and have a hot drink, Ma said softly. You're cold. Mikey followed her willingly down to the warm kitchen. She heated some milk at the fireplace in the front room, and Martha put it into Pa's coffee mug with a big chunk of butter that soon melted into golden bubbles. Mikey sat at the kitchen table sipping it. We'll see about the bear in the morning, Ma said. Nobody will bother it during the night. Mikey agreed. After he finished the hot milk, he climbed to the loft and in a few minutes was sound asleep, dreaming about shooting grizzly bears as big as redwood trees. 
It was barely daylight the next morning when Mikey ran quietly down the ladder and outside into the mist to take a close-up look at the bear. In the dim light, it looked like a huge black rock against the house. Mikey was proud that he had been able to save the family from harm by killing it. After breakfast was over and the morning chores were done, Ma and Martha came out with sharp knives and began to skin the bear. It was old, Martha said, but we'll still have a fair rug for the front room. And plenty of bear steak, said Ma, though I'm afraid it'll be tough. He has lots of scars, said Mikey. He's been shot at before. The little children had been watching without a word, but now Mary shuddered. I'm glad Mikey shot that big old bear before he got into the cabin. She began to cry. Don't cry now, silly, Mikey said. He can't hurt anyone again. Mary began to laugh through her tears. I was so scared last night that I cried, and now I had to cry because I'm so glad it's dead. Mikey shook his head. Sometimes it was hard to figure out why Mary did things. Mikey fixed a framework with poles, and they stretched the bearskin to dry. Let's put it where Pa will see it the first thing, Mikey said. Martha laughed. Now, Mikey, you wouldn't want to show off a little bit, would you? Mikey grinned sheepishly. Well, don't you think it would be kind of nice for him to know the bear is dead? Sure. We'll put it right by the front porch, Ma said, smiling at Mikey. And they did. Mikey could hardly wait for Pa and Pat and Tom to return. He put a mark on the kitchen door for each day they were gone. After a week had gone by, he stayed close to the cabin to do his wood chopping. He didn't want to be away when they came. Nine days after the three had left, Mikey was piling wood into the shed when he heard a donkey bray. That would be their donkeys. Pa was early. Mikey hadn't expected them to come until a late afternoon, but it wasn't even the middle of the afternoon yet. They must have left Boulder way before daylight or else camped out once. Mikey dropped the load of wood and ran to the cabin. He pushed open the back door. I hear the donkeys, he yelled inside. Then he ran around the cabin and down the path toward the creek. He heard the front door slam and Mary running after him and Sean and Liam wailing, wait, Mikey, wait. He stopped and waited for the little boys, but Mary scampered right on ahead of him. I wanted to tell them, Mikey thought bitterly, but then he smiled. Better to let Mary tell them about the bear. He was ten years old and shouldn't brag, and Ma had already said he was brave. He took the little boys by the hand and led them down the bank of the creek and on to meet Pa. Then he saw them. Pa was ahead leading a donkey. Pat and Tom were guiding the team of two donkeys with the log sled. The sled was piled with bundles and bags. Mikey could hardly wait to see what was in all of them. Mary was dancing alongside Pa. Mikey could hear her. And it's huge, Pa. It's the biggest bear I ever saw. Mikey laughed to himself. Mary had never seen a bear before at all. He went shyly toward Pa. He wasn't quite sure what Pa would say about the bear. But Pa didn't say anything. He only grinned and said, Hello. Ma and Martha were waiting on the porch. Pa looked at the bear skin and Pat and Tom whistled. But still, Pa didn't mention the bear. Pat and Tom began to unload the bundles. Here's the cornmeal and a couple slacks of flour, Pa said, lifting them to the porch. And the cloth and the thread and the buttons and the other things you wanted, Ma, pa, Tom said. Pa took the cloth covering oh, the mysterious bulging object in the middle of the sled. The stove, Ma exclaimed. How wonderful. Mikey looked at her quickly. 
She looked as happy as Mary had with her little redwood doll, or Sean and Liam with their boats. That reminded him of something. Had Mr. Downs sent the package? Pa unloaded the rest of their winter supplies. Then he handed a medium-sized package to Mikey. On the outside was his name, Mikey O'Grady from Hiram Downs. Mikey tore off the wrapper eagerly. Several things. He sat down on the edge of the porch to look at each. The rest of the family crowded around. Two books, said Tom. Aren't you the lucky one? He picked them up. Western trees and plants and animals and birds of the West. And what beautiful pictures. He sat down beside Mikey to examine them more carefully. And a drawing book, too, Mikey said, opening the tablet, with no spelling or writing in the middle of the pages. Colored pencils, Mary said, picking up a package that had slipped off his lap. They're just like the ones Mr. Downs had. Mikey grinned. Now I can begin to be a real naturalist. Ma and Martha turned to the shiny black and nickel pot-bellied stove again. Ma opened the oven door and peeked in at the shiny grates. Mary and the little boys began opening the bundle of cloth and sewing things. Liam tried to count the buttons on the cards. One, two, three, ten, eleven, twenty, he said. Mary laughed and hugged him. Someday you'll learn how to count straight. Mikey was looking over Tom's shoulder at the pictures and the precious new books. Then he noticed that Pa was examining the bearskin. He walked over and stood beside him. His father turned and put his hand on Mikey's shoulder. Well, Mike, I'm proud of you. Mikey's heart jumped. Pa had called him Mike. Was he really going to be one of the big boys now and not just the middle one? Pa was speaking again. Pat has decided to work at the new mill that's starting up in Boulder. I'll be needing another hand on the tan bark in the spring, Mike. Do you suppose? Mikey's eyes were shining. Oh, Pa, let me help you. I'm ten years old now. And brave enough to shoot a grizzly bear. Pa's eyes twinkled. He put out his rough, calloused hand and solemnly shook hands with Mikey. It's agreed, then. Next spring, you'll take Pat's place. And now Mikey knew that he really was a Redwood Pioneer. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Visit our website at www.enchantedlibrary.net to see our past books or to connect with us on Facebook. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.